This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great to have you folks here today, and and uh, yeah, what a beautiful day, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you today, you know, a, a great story, and it, it gets down to this to this belief, like, that there is a better way. There are better ways out there in the world, there, there's better ways to run our lives, um, there's better ways to kind of see how things, see how things go, and to see how the world works, and and it, and it comes down to, to these different perspectives, and I think a lot of the time we can get hung up like on, on um, who Christ was. And, and, and I, this may offend somebody, so, so I'm sorry if it does. I'm so, so sorry. So please don't let it offend you. You know, when somebody comes up and he says to me, when they ask me, like, are you a believer? And I'm like, that's not the question for me anymore. The question for me is, am I trying to follow this great way of living that Christ has shown us? A way that I believe reflects the image and likeness of God that we see in Christ. Uh, this connection, what in the new church we call the Lord, this beautiful connection of, of the divine and the human together. And that's what to follow. The belief question can be kind of thin. Because just to believe it is one thing, but, but what are we doing with it? And, and how is it really shaping our lives? Because I do believe there's a better way. I do believe there's a way to see life a little differently, to hold things a little differently, in a way that actually don't, they don't take us away from who they are, they actually bring us back to who we are, who we actually really are in the world. And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next three weeks with this series. We're going to be looking at it through the eyes of a lion, and I'll explain that title here in a minute. This week, we're looking a little salt and a little light. Next week is moving to the margin. And then the third week is construction 101. So I want to talk about that very, very title there, Through the Eyes of a Lion. I want to, it's, it's interesting with, with God that God oftentimes is portrayed as a lion. Do we have any C.S. Lewis fans, Lion Witch in the Wardrobe out there? You know, so C.S. Lewis, literally, that's who Aslan is. Aslan is God and Christ, and, and it's represented by a lion. That goes back into a lot of different biblical pieces. And, and yet, as a lion, a lot of the time, what we think of as lions, at least what I think of, is pretty ferocious. It's not like a nice kitty. <laughs> you know, it it's actually can be a very ferocious, very dangerous animal. But there's a different way to hold that, a different way to hold optics, a different way to have optics around that, where, where we look through the eyes of a lion, but it's a different kind of lion, a different kind of power, a different kind of ferocity, if I could even use that word, a different way to kind of see it, a different way to hold it. Now, to give you a little flavor, to give you a little salt, to give you a little flavor enhancement for that, I want to run the trailer for you right now for this series. And I think you'll start to get a sense of where I'm going. So take a look at the trailer that we have for this series. Take a look. You open your eyes and see a light once hidden behind darkness and shadows. You see a peace in the serenity and the calm. I see a training for the trial the enabling of God. You see a storm, waves of suffocating sorrow which threaten to smother you. I see an anchor, a hope. You see mistakes and failures, baggage and pain. I see influence, a microphone. 
One day you'll open your eyes and you'll see potentials expired. And time is up. But I see the echoes in eternity. A work finally finished. Listen. Focus. A light lies hidden beneath the darkness of shadows. See the things unseen. Eternity now. To the eyes of a lion. powerful lines in there. One of them is, is a light lies hidden. And I think that's sort of where we start to see this story that we're going to be sharing. And we're just going to be looking at one story for the next three weeks. Now, it's interesting for those of you who don't, don't know, or, or you weren't raised in a church, which is probably a lot of this congregation here today. Um, you know, Christ was not necessarily big on long sermons. You know, what he would do would be, he would, he would offer parables, he'd offer stories, and he'd be out there healing. I, I, I tell people all the time, Christ spent very little time in the office. But he does have one part of the Bible where he offers this extended sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it probably looked something like this. Like if you're, if you look, uh, if you Google Sermon on the Mount, you'll see ancient paintings where it's Christ kind of stop on top of, literally on top of a mountain. And then you've got thousands of people down underneath. Well, they didn't have PA systems back then. <laughs> so there was no way that was what happened. These would have been a, this would have been a smaller gathering of people gathered around him. And you have to ask, all right, so, so gathered around him, gathered up here, this is up in northern Israel, right on the border with Syria. You know, who were those people who would have gathered to hear him? And that's where the story starts to really come alive, for me at least. It's interesting when you look at the line in the Bible that talks about these people, look at this passage. Jesus traveled all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Good news of the kingdom is very here and now. It's not, he's not preaching like, you know, way out there. He's preaching here and now. Uh, and healing. News about him spread all over. Look at that word there, folks. All over, all over Syria. So here he is. He's out there doing this. He's in kind of a foreign land. And he's doing a lot of healing of different people. Speaking these words. And all of a sudden he speaks these things and it's like, Oh, wow, I never had thought of life that way. I never had thought of the world that way. I never had imagined that that's the way it could have been. And it's easy for us to kind of pull these biblical lines, throw them on a Hallmark card, make a frosty lens, and just kind of look at it and just go, oh, those are so sweet. But you have to remember, and this is me as a history teacher, the context of this. This is a picture from Aleppo. This is a picture of Syria today. Syria, that whole area has had a history of violence for large parts, tragically, for large parts of world history. The life expectancy of people at this time when Christ is talking was about half of what it would be for a typical Syrian today. See, so you have to see this is here he's talking to these people who's, who's, who were on the margin, who, who were, who were deeply distressed in so many ways, who would have, who would have probably, if they had, if they had families, they would have lost several children by now. Like, these are people who were clearly, clearly downtrodden. And he gathers them around. And with what I think is always a smile, he gives a very simple message. 
Try living. Try living. And I picture them looking out there, looking out there on the little lake where he was preaching by, seeing boats and just this, this whole like try living. And, and you think about these people, like they were just hanging on. They were just barely surviving. Many of them had been healed by him. And so here he comes with this, with this deep message of healing. And, and he's interjecting a message in, into an area that was struggling with violence, struggling with poverty, struggling with all kinds of things, very similar to, to today. And, and, and very similar to the struggles. We may not have those same external struggles, but we certainly have them on the inside. We certainly have those states within us. Now, I can imagine these people going like, well, that's great, but how do you do it? How do you do it? Like, how do you do it? So what Christ does is he starts this sermon on the mount. He starts preaching. And he begins with these beautiful lines. Beautiful, beautiful lines. These are called the Beatitudes. Now, he didn't call them the Beatitudes. That's what we call them today. He starts out with this. And this kind of like sets the whole context for the whole thing. Do you guys want to read green or yellow? Which one? Somebody shout it out. All right, green. All right, I will read up to the green and then you will read with great spirit the rest. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs. Good, that's number one. I'm going to come back to that. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be. Blessed are the meek or the humble for they shall. You guys are good today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In other words, for what's right. For they will be. All right, now bring it on home. Here's the last ones. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they, you guys are good. Blessed are the peacemakers, the peacemakers. I love the way Ray sang that, the peacemakers. For they will be called, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs. It's really interesting, right? And you think about it, folks, like we can just read through that, go like, oh, Beatitudes, isn't that sweet? But these, these people would have never, 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 never heard this before. This would have been absolutely revolutionary. They were on the receiving end of everything. And then here's this guy coming along and saying, look, you're blessed. In an extremely violent culture, just even to say, like, you're going to be peacemakers. They, they never would have heard that before. This is, this is revolutionary stuff that we lose. And we kind of lose it in the, in the fog of time. We lose it in the fog of time. Now, I want to talk about this line, because this is so big. This very first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, as the band comes out for a middle song, Angie's going to come out here for a minute and offer a little announcement. The band's going to do a middle song. It's, it's a fascinating line because here it's saying, like, that is the kingdom of God. And it, it's not, you know, he, he's gathering these people around. He's not saying, like, you need to be poor, you need to do this, you need to do that. He's saying, no, I get where you are. I get where you are. And right where you are, in a broken place is blessed and actually it's blessed to the point and you look at that where this is the kingdom of God very different view and just put yourself in that place 
again, of looking at all these different people, all these people broken, and telling them, like, that's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. Miraculous stuff. When we come back, I'm going to talk about, yeah, let's pull that message apart and really look at, like, what this really looks like and how we can have different eyes, different eyes of a lion in seeing that first line. Wonder where the lines are. And, you know, as we, as we look at that and we look at through the eyes of a lion, I, I, again, I want to keep coming back to just how revolutionary this stuff actually is. You know, we can imagine a better way. And, and so much of it comes back to looking at this stuff and, and, and like allowing it in. Like really allowing it in. That doesn't mean like you need to get baptized and, uh, you know, become a card-carrying Christian. I, I, don't, I don't see Christ like being fervent about that part. I see Christ being fervent about, let this in. Let these words touch your heart. Let these words change how you live. And, and these would have been people that he was speaking to who were so thirsty to hear a new story because their lives were so broken. And I know all of us in here have at least one part of our life that's broken. Could I get an amen on that one? <laughs> you know, we, we all do. We all have that part that's just, that's just sitting there in the grass, just yearning to hear a word that somehow heals. And here comes this, this itinerant preacher, and he says like, hey, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Not will be, not could be, not once you get it right, not once you sign the card, not once you learn the secret handshake. <laughs> but just literally looking at these people going, you, you are the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. Because poor spirit would have gone right to their heart. Right to their heart. Not an exhortation for them to be any more poor than what they already are, but just a statement of what is. And a comforting statement that God is there too. So I think we have to hold two things here. I think we have to hold two things. One is blessed and one is poor in spirit. And just so we can hear that, I'm going to go right down the middle here. You folks are going to say blessed. You folks are going to say poor in spirit. And then I'm going to show you a couple of videos with both, right? So first off, we all have to remember we are blessed. And second, we also have to all acknowledge we are poor in spirit. So, so it's, it's these both, both and things that, that Christ is putting together. Now, that blessed part, we can see in this video. This is a video of two parents. Their, their little daughter by the name of Chloe has gotten into the makeup. Has gotten into the makeup. They're out in the garage, and she comes out. So I want you to see this little blessed part here with Chloe. Chloe, what is on your face? Um, beauty. So again, that blessed part, like, of course, of course you want your kid to have that idea. And that's the way God, and I think like we kind of do our thing and God goes, what's that on your face? We go beauty. And he's there. You're right. It's totally beautiful. No matter how funky your life is, <laughs> it's, it's totally beautiful. And then we also have to understand the poor in spirit part. Now listen to this phrase and kind of let this sort of 
marinate in this for a minute. That poor in spirit part is sort of a generative poverty. In other words, it's a poverty of spirit, humility of spirit, that's generative, that something can be created out of. It's, it's, it's the states from a new church view, it's the states in our lives that are, that are flawed and broken, and good stuff comes out of it. Just like soil that, that needs a plow to go through it to turn it. It's that, it's that same kind of view. There's probably nobody better that speaks to sort of with a smile the breakings of human nature uh, from a Christian perspective than Anne Lamont. Now, this is Anne Lamont talking about it. I want you to hear what she says. She doesn't directly, uh, you know, reference porn spirit, but she's clearly talking about that. So now take a look at this clip from Anne Lamont talking about poverty of spirit. Everyone is screwed up, broken, clingy, and scared, even the people who seem to have it most together. They are much more like you than you would believe, so try not to compare your insides to other people's outsides. It will only make you worse than you already are. (laughs) Also, you can't save, fix, or rescue any of them or get anyone sober. What helped me get clean and sober 30 years ago was the catastrophe of my behavior and thinking. So I asked some sober friends for help, and I turned to a higher power. One acronym for God is the gift of desperation, G-O-D, or as a sober friend put it, by the end I was deteriorating faster than I could lower my standards. If you want to look at the rest of her TED Talk, it's called 12 Things I Know at Age 60. And it's, it's so worthwhile taking a look at. Because there you can see, again, we, we see the blessing with little Chloe. We see that, that poverty of spirit with Anne Lamont. But it's done with a smile. And that, and that poverty of spirit can be a generative thing. It can actually be something that we grow, that, that, that allows us to grow and move forward. Because it gets into this new church view of, of, of us, of, of God. And you, you look at it this way, folks. We are here to receive God. We're here to receive God. To allow God's life to, to flow through us. A vessel to receive it. An image of God. Like that is exactly who we are. You think at that moment, Christ saying this. Now, he, was, he wasn't using exactly these words, but that's what he's saying to these people. That's what he's offering to them. And you can, you can imagine, I mean, I can easily imagine so many of them, maybe even brought to tears. Brought to tears by the power of these words. And then God goes on to say some other amazing things. So he goes through the Beatitudes, and then right after the Beatitudes, he lists these eight things. We're going to touch on these. You're going to keep coming back to the Beatitudes over the next three weeks. So so he comes out of the Beatitudes, and then he has this beautiful line. I'm going to have you say the S word there. You are the, the salt of the earth. That's where literally we get like the salt of the earth. Oh, they're such salt of the earth people. It's a huge compliment. Somebody says that to you, say thank you. You are the, the light of the world. <laughs> Picture something going like, who are you talking to? 
You're the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And you can just imagine people's reaction to that, like, like hearing that and, and, and understanding it from this wonderful man who was, who was healing and this, this, very, this very embodiment of God. We do need to understand this salt of the earth, light of the world. Now, I don't have salt, but I do have, folks, I do have sugar. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come around, and I just want you to see the power of this. So I just want you to, to raise your hand, and then I want you just to share with us. If you want, I'm not going to make anybody share, except for first-time people. Just kidding, I won't do that. Um, you know, just, just, raise, just raise your hand and be like, yeah, you know what? So-and-so is the salt of the earth for me. In other words, salt, now salt is a flavor enhancer. Nobody gets a big bowl of salt and starts eating it. It's just something that we add a little bit of that adds flavor to our life. So I want you to say, like, who adds flavor to your life? The only rule is you can't say me. All right? You can't say me. It's like, I'm, no. All right? But you're welcome to say it about anyone else in here or anyone else who's watching online. So what you're going to do is you're going to hold this in one hand, representing salt, even though it's sugar. I know there's di- they're different. Microphone in the other. Who is the salt of the earth for you? All right, our first one. And if you could, do you feel like you could stand up and say it? Sure. I guess I should face out because I'm at the front. My uh, friend Brianna, who I spent almost every day with this past year, is going to college, but which I'm very sad about, but she is the salt of the earth to me. Another one? Miriam is the salt of the earth for me. I think a lot of us will go, amen, sister, on that one. Mrs. Lamal is the salt of the earth for me. You're this afternoon? Uh, My friends are the salt of the earth for me. Can you give some names? Uh, John, Brandon, last names? No. (laughs) That's good enough. This is like a big meeting. We're all good. My wife, Nikki, is the salt of the earth for me. My husband, Bill, is the salt of the earth to me. Without him, nothing tastes good. That's good. That's good. John Lynn, my boyfriend, is the salt of the earth. Uh, Does it have to be all the time? No. It never is. It never is. <laughs> For those timers, we do have comedians in the audience, just so you know. Any, can we got a last one, folks? All right. This seems typical, but the salt of the earth to me are my kids, because they taught me to not live 
to live for others and be of service. Great. And it's, it's, it's so funny, right? Let's give everybody a round of applause there. Kids, our kids can be so salt of the earth. Like they can really kind of balance us. Some of you probably saw this because I put it on Facebook. I had a funny one with my son sort of, you know, our kids raise us, right? You know, we kind of get that. Our kids raise us. And my son, I took him to see Pitt this weekend. And uh, so we're walking over Panther Hollow. For those of you who know where that is, we're going over to see the University of Pittsburgh. And I asked my son, like, oh, can I ask, can I ask any questions of the tour guide with a big smile on my face? And he's like, Dad, I want you to think of today like this. It's a 50-word essay. You've got 50 words. You're down to 46. And then I said, yeah, but could I at least tell them like that I went to Pitt? I forget what I said. And he said, Dad, you're down to 42. <laughs> so it's, it's good, right? And our, and our, our, our loved ones and our, and our kids and our friends, like they become this salt of the earth. And, and isn't it interesting? Like I, I guarantee... That if, that if I asked somebody right now who was honored, you know, who they said like, yeah, they're the salt of the earth. If I was asking, well, what do you think of yourself? They would, they would say some Anne Lamont things. They would say like, oh, you know what? Yeah, that's great. They said that. And I really feel like I'm a pretty broken individual. I mean, nobody hears a compliment. At least I hope not. Here's a comment goes, yeah, that's me. You know, we know that, yeah, it's a compliment. We also know we're broken on the inside. At least I hope we all know we're broken on the inside. You know, we, we have sort of this, this both and going on, and it's, it's indeed a very, very powerful thing. This, this next part, folks, is, is big. Because I, I think it kind of pulls to what Christ is asking us to think about. And asking us to think about in this theory, in this series, I think it gets to that there is a better way to look at life. I think it gets to that there are these eyes and we can, we can see through the eyes of a lion. We can start to see through the Sermon on the Mount how Christ sees things. And in our own very, very flawed way, because we're not God, but in our own flawed way, we can try as best we can to follow that. And that's this. I think, I think in our world, we kind of can stand in a couple of places. One is we can kind of have a very thin appeal to self-esteem, where we pull that from the world. I think especially with the advent of social media, this becomes more and more of a siren song. Anytime I post something on Facebook, to be honest, I'm looking to see how many likes I get. I'm 52 years old. All of you are guilty. Don't tell me any of you don't do that. <laughs> you know, we all do that, right? And it's, it's kind of this, this very thin appeal like to self-esteem and, and, and it, we're trying to garner it from the world out there. Now, the poverty here, and I don't know whether this will make sense, like I'm just prayerful to the, to the Lord that it will somehow land. The challenge is this, is that, and I think it's where the story is couched in the way it is, these people would have had none of that. Like, there would have been no marching bands for them. There would have been no likes on Facebook. And, and it's just, folks, like, if, if you take that most impoverished part of your soul, a very, that, that most broken, broken piece, self-esteem's not going to answer that. I don't think it does. 
And just, just hold it there for a minute. Just like look at it there for a second. I don't think self-esteem is going to heal that. I don't think a bunch of likes on Facebook are going to heal that. There's got to be some different answer. Because self-esteem lasts as long as the band plays. But I certainly at 52 know that the band doesn't always play. (laughs) And, And sometimes life for me, and I imagine for you, is a pretty lonely endeavor. So there's got to be a different appeal in here. And I think there is. I think what Christ is saying in this. So he offers the beatitude and then he says, look, look, you, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're blessed. You are living in the kingdom of God right now. I mean, crazy, revolutionary, way out there words. I think what this is, it's not the thin appeal to self-esteem that's from the world. I think it's thick appeal, and please say those middle two words really clearly. I think it's a thick appeal to to not hide. Clear about what we offer to the world. Not what we get from the world, but what we offer to the world. That is a, is a fine, fine line of difference. But I think it makes all the difference in the world. Because no longer am I out there trying to, as a sponge to absor- absorb all this stuff. Now I hear Christ call, and I think that's what Christ is saying these people, saying to these people. I think he's really, really saying, look, try living. You don't need to hide. You have a light. You are the salt of the earth. You are blessed. He's simply saying, don't hide. Because from that place, you can start to offer it. And you're offering it, acknowledging, please listen carefully to this, folks. You're acknowledging it not from a false grandiosity, but from a deep acknowledgement that, yeah, I'm broken. And yeah, life is good. And yeah, my makeup looks a little funky. And God's looking at it going, that's beautiful. That's the eyes of a lion. That's a shift in how we see the world. That's a way you can start to bring healing. As a peacemaker, as a person wedded to mercy, as a person who understands their own poverty, but who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, who hungers and thirsts over doing it new in a new way, in a different way, in a way that brings life. I'd ask you again, think about joining us for this series. Think about as well, just taking the time, I'm going to email it to everybody. Think about as well, just taking time to read through the Sermon on the Mount. I guarantee it's better than any sermon I've ever preached. I'll send out the link to it. Just just maybe take some time over the next week. Just read through it. It, it You can read through it in about 20 minutes. And start to let those words into your heart, into your hands, and allow it to change your eyes. Amen. What we're going to do now is now we're going to close with a prayer. When we finish the prayer, you'll have a moment for quiet reflection. 
a moment just for some peaceful thoughts, and a moment to just allow a little inspiration to come into your heart as we do our last song, which is All Fly Away. I do, as always, want to invite you, if you do want to stand up and sing with the last song, you're always more than welcome to. I will be standing and singing because I love this song, because I think that's the whole point here. Like a little inspiration, a little idea of flight, a little idea of taking off into the world and into our lives. So please join me in a prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Allow us, Lord, to hear these beatitudes with new ears. Not just as some sort of smooth, thin way of seeing the world, but a thick appeal. A thick appeal to stop hiding. Yes, acknowledging that we are broken and at the same time to stop hiding in our lives. To stop hiding. Knowing that from that place is where we discover the gifts that we can offer to the world. No longer drawing from the world, but offering out there to the world. And Lord, let us fly away. Let us fly away. On the spirit of love, in the spirit that you hold our lives, no matter how challenging they are today, let us fly away. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 